Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. All right, you got your Bibles open in one way, form or the other. Uh, Mark chapter 6 we'll be looking at from about verse 6, 7. So we'd love you to uh, join us in that. Um, This is, uh, I've learnt over the life, over my lifetime, that packing um, for holidays takes on different expressions. Some of you are in the midst of this now. Um, when we started having children, you discover the joy and the sheer delight of managing prams. Uh, you can always tell new parents because they're standing at the back of their cars uh, for about 10 minutes trying to work out how to fold up their pram after they've been in the supermarket. Everyone, so parents, you know that feeling? Or is that just me who's a bit dumb with that kind of stuff? I keep putting myself out there and sometimes I get nothing back and it concerns me that I'm the only person who is as dumb as what I make myself out to be. Um, that could be true. Uh, we've, um, we've also, as, as our children grew, like we had a, initially a barina. We had to get rid of that when uh, we had um, our first child because that wasn't anywhere big enough. We bought a, a Magna uh, and then a Camry. And uh, the more children we have, the more you have to take. Porticots, prams, even, even when you have four children, it feels like you take as much for four children as you take for one child, especially your first child. Because you take multiples of everything for your first child. You take multiples of clothes in case they explode in one way or the other. They're either spewing or excreting. Um, and it's often not very pleasant. Uh, for, and so you can take multiples of nappies, but there's occasions where if you haven't got multiples of clothes, you're just wrapping them up in whatever you can find. Uh, packing is like Tetris. You've got to get everything into the boot of a car, and sometimes you don't know how you do it. It's good to know how to pack well. I think I've probably been successful in teaching at least one child how to pack well. The reality is I probably wouldn't let them pack, so that's on me. Um, They brought stuff out, they left it at the back of the car, and they walked away because we packed and unpacked multiple times. Um, Now, the real joy, now that our children have grown up, moved out of home, uh, the only concern I have to have about packing the car is to make sure everything gets in around the golf clubs. (laughs) So, you know, camp chairs, no worries. In they go. Um, suitcases, extra suitcases, in, and we've got space. The car feels cold now because it's not packed in as much. Um, it's just packing it can be incredibly difficult to work out what you do, what you need to leave behind, what you do take. Uh, on one occasion, uh, after Grace was born, uh, we'd gone out to some friends uh, for dinner. They'd invited us out. They had a couple of young kids while we were there, not at mealtime while we were with them. They'd had a couple of young kids also. And uh, we, we packed everything as we normally do. May would have been 18 months, nearly two years. Grace would have been maybe a few weeks old to a few months old. I'm not really sure. And uh, we went to these friends' home for tea. We'd packed up like we normally do. We didn't have to worry about the porticot, just enough nappy bags, enough nappies, enough change of clothes for two kids now. Um, and then we left. 
We started to pack everything up. We pick all the gear up. We pick up the nappy bags. We pick up the change of clothes. We pick up the blankets. We walk out. We've got May. We walk out to the car, and we've left Grace asleep on the bed inside. Sometimes when you pack, you get everything else except the kids. Um, packing has its complications. But it's not just about holidays, is it? It's not just about transporting. We carry a lot of stuff. We carry a lot of stuff. And more recently, many of you or a number of you have spoken to me about minimalizing. I don't know who the minimalist guru is these days in the last few years. Everyone's talking about being minimal. Get rid of stuff. And that almost becomes our idol and our God because the less that we have, the better that we feel somehow. And that almost becomes a new idol. But the reality is that we carry a lot of baggage that can shape, inform, or distract us from the heart of the Father and what he might have in store for us. Have you noticed that? And some of the baggage can be, hard to be, can be difficult to leave behind. Over the course of Jesus' ministry, as we've seen it through the Gospel of Mark, the crowds have followed Jesus. The crowds have been excited about who Jesus is because he is one who teaches like we've never heard before. He is one who has authority like we've never seen or heard before. We've seen the crowds follow Jesus as they celebrate his miracles. And those miracles have come in different expressions, different sizes. Some of those miracles have happened without a declaration of faith. Some of those miracles have happened almost on the sly. Almost kind of, remember the woman who was bleeding for 12 years? She just touched the edge of the cloak, hoping to get away with it. She was healed even without speaking to Jesus. Some of those miracles have happened in a variety of contexts because other people brought someone and said, Here, Jesus, you need to heal this guy. No mention of faith. People have been watching Jesus as he teaches and they're going, Wow, this guy is someone different. Let's get a manager. Let's get an agent. Let's put his name up in lights. How do we get this guy to be heard all over the world? And then a few weeks ago, before we went into our missions month, it looked like the ministry of Jesus had taken a hit. You might remember uh, in the beginning of um, Mark chapter 6, we read the story of Jesus going back to his hometown. And the people who knew him, isn't this Mary's son? Isn't this the carpenter's boy? We know this guy. This, this, this is not right. We're, and so this, Jesus leaves his hometown surprised at their lack of faith. They limit Jesus because, they, because of their lack of faith. They limit Jesus by what they knew of Jesus or what they knew about Jesus. People carry their baggage. And I think Jesus then goes on to unpack what it looks like when we live limited lives and the opportunity to live lives in him without our baggage that often cripples and hinders us. So it looks unsuccessful, which makes this next passage astonishing. And what happens from there, incredible. Because Jesus invites his readers or invites his followers and Mark, uh, the Gospel of Mark invites the readers to participate and discover what it looks like then to follow Jesus. Because despite the disappointment, and as I read that text, uh, Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. He couldn't do any miracles there. Not many miracles except lay a few hands on people. There's a sense of disappointment as he walks around. But he keeps going and in verse 7 we're told, then Jesus, uh, verse 6, second half, sorry, then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. 
Despite how other people responded to him, it didn't put him off his mission or his call. But then out of that failure, out of that disappointment, out of the mess of his home experiences of healings and teachings, this is what happens in Mark chapter 6, verse 7. If you've got your scriptures, open, uh, follow along. I haven't got any PowerPoint today. Um, that's just the way it is. Uh, so uh, calling the 12 to him, he sent them out two by two and he gave them authority over evil spirits. These were instructions. Take nothing for the journey except the staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent, return, turn about, about face, however you experience that, realign themselves with Jesus, with God. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. I just want to stop here and just kind of side note for you. I found this a really difficult text to actually prepare for this week. And it was a really difficult text, not because of what happens, because I think many of us have heard this text numerous times. Yeah, we've probably read this text numerous times. Oh man, that's really exciting. I'd love to be a part of that. And especially as we come out of missions, I was really cautious here of not wanting us to hear or be overwhelmed by or be beaten up by what we may or may not be doing. Because I feel like we read this text and we allow a small, still voice in us. And I maybe, again, this is my reflection, this might not be yours. So. If it's yours and you do better than me at this, congratulations, come and tell me how you do that later on. Um, but I think we read this text and somehow feel like we're letting Jesus down. Does anyone else feel like that? Can I, be so, can, can I ask? Does anyone else feel like that? Maybe we're not quite really doing it. Maybe we're not really quite cutting it. And the other thing is, just coming out of Missions Month, we've heard all these incredible stories, Empire and the work in, um, in some parts of the world and the vision to see 100,000 communities transformed, the work of Open Doors working in the persecuted church, the call of Rowan and Rachel and the call of Stephen and Kathy and Damien and Hannah's call and their sense of preparation. And we feel like, oh, maybe we're not quite cutting it. Look, let's put all that aside. Just as a side note, I'm not asking you to take up the call of someone else. And neither is Jesus. Our call is not the same, but we are all called. Do you understand the distinction? Can we work with that? So I don't want you to walk out feeling beaten up today. I don't want us to walk out feeling discouraged. I want us to walk out challenged, convicted, stirred, awakened, but full of hope. See, Mark here is making a shift and he's preparing the reading. See, watching Jesus is no longer enough. Celebrating the teaching of Jesus is no longer enough. Showing up to synagogue and ticking all the right religious boxes is no longer enough. Having the miracles of Jesus Looking for the healing of Jesus and having that as our only focus is no longer enough. There is something else being announced here. There is the kingdom of God coming amongst us. And if we're not careful, we can miss the moment. Because the reality is we're not too different from the crowds. 
in lots of ways. We want to be. So as much as I struggle with this text, let me offer a few reflections for you to do with as you desire. I offer this as a gift. To carry the authority of Jesus in your life, you need to be in a relationship with Jesus. I don't mean relationship by showing up on a Sunday morning, 10, 10 past 10, and going home again. I mean a relationship, intentional, deliberate, focused, time, whatever way you do that. I'm not here again. There's so much expressions in that. It's not about comparison or expectations. But a relationship with Jesus. If you want to carry the authority of Jesus, you need to be in a relationship with Jesus. Find a way to do it. Some of us have been sitting around in a church for a long period of time and still don't know a personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe we're still carrying the baggage of our parents' faith. Maybe we're still carrying the baggage of an old minister who disappointed us one time and we just live our lives angry the rest of our lives what does a relationship with Jesus look like in that maybe we've been disappointed by Jesus because well we know him don't we do we if you want to carry the authority of Jesus we need to be in a relationship with Jesus because there is still evil in the world I don't know that we're that comfortable talking about this in our modern churches and maybe, you know, I've got no doubt there is still uh, demon possession uh, and manipulation in our world. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've seen people be delivered from it. It's not always as graphic and as, uh, um, I don't know what the word is. I've lost the word. Expressive sometimes. It's just a quiet kind of groaning. And, um, you know, I've seen, I've seen some things in that. But I can't help but wonder, as I've expressed previously as we've looked through the Gospel of Mark, that the evil in our world and perhaps the evil in our Western world is the apathy that we carry, the disinterest that we carry, the sense of pride that we carry, or the hurt or the um, grudge that we carry, or the frustration that we carry, or the disappointment of missing out, or the disappointment of not having or the nature of comparison. You don't think that's evil? I do. Because it distracts me from the heart of God. Now I'm not saying either, please don't mishear this, I'm not suggesting that everything that goes pear-shaped is because of evil. Sometimes people are just dumb. People say dumb things. People do dumb things. Sorry, sorry, again, am I just speaking for myself? That might not be you. Maybe you're not as dumb as me. That's not evil. That's just dumb. But there is evil in the world. And perhaps it's in the church because of the disunity that so much of our church is experiencing at the moment throughout the world. At the discouragement that we're feeling. At the things that are distracting us from the heart of God. Are the things that are distracting us from the heart of worship? You don't think that's evil in our world? Are the sense where Christian people sit around and point the finger at everybody else and say what the rest of the world is doing wrong? You don't think that's an evil? 
rather than expressing love. And Jesus says, don't take anything with you. Now, I mean, if we talked about following Jesus and we heard the whisper of the Spirit that says, I want you to pack up and go here, would we go? Sometimes the the message is, you know, I I want you to pack that aside. I want you to leave that aside. I want you to stay. I want you to release that. There's stuff that we carry. And justify it and explain it and critique it and bring it back up again. It's like we've got four stomachs of a cow. We've got to regurgitate the food every time. You know, the stuff that we carry in the conversations of people of faith, of the hurt that we carry or the possessions that we uh, get, we buy into or the, the things that we have to hold on to in our life because... Because, <laughs> like I say, it's a bit messy in my head at the moment. But gee, we carry some stuff. I had a conversation recently with someone who's cleaning out um, their parents' um, house, essentially, all the stuff that their parents left them. And they just go, man, we accumulate a lot of stuff over a lot of years. A lot of stuff that we take precious. And I'm really mindful. You know, uh, a small example might be of that, of uh, birthday cards. Does, like, how many people have collected all their birthday... No, maybe don't put up your hand. But um, I kind of get to the birthday cards, and we, we used to have a rule in our house that birthday cards could stay up a week. That's expanded for some people in our household. It becomes a month or two. Um, but what do you do with birthday cards? And because... I guess my philosophy is it's going to come a point where I'm no longer breathing and someone else will throw them out if I don't because they don't mean anything to anyone else. The stuff that we carry that won't hold meaning in a generation or two. We get distracted by what we carry, what we build and what we accomplish in our lives. I think um, another point... Uh, Another reflection, being in relationship with Jesus encourages humility in relationship with others. To be in a relationship with Jesus requires that you're in relationship with community. And I think we're losing this at the moment. 12 months ago, people were saying to me, oh, this pandemic, it's going to see people come back to faith. It's going to see people return to church. You know what, as much as the church is alive and active in our local community, what I'm actually hearing is people withdrawing more and more. People isolating, people disconnecting. What does it look like for the church to again be reminded that we're actually called to go out, be the people of God, to gather to be the people of God, to gather so that we're released, empowered, and I know it can change. We can gather in different expressions. You all have seen and heard me enough to know that this hour, hour and a half is not the be-all and end-all. We do this in the hope that we empower, release, and encourage you to be sent out But Jesus sent people out two by two. That is community. Um, And then he said, now stay in someone else's house. Um, I just think that's an incredible expression of being a part of a community. Being in a relationship with Jesus requires 
that we're humble enough to be in relationship with others and to discover the people of peace in our community, the people who welcome us. And then if there's some people who don't welcome us or don't welcome the message that we have, hey, don't take it personally. Wipe the dust off. Keep going. Remember, Jesus' own family and friends, his hometown weren't willing to accept him. And he kept going. Why? Because he had a relationship with the Father and he knew his call. If you want to walk in the authority of Jesus, if you want to walk in the freedom of Jesus, then better be in a relationship with Jesus. Oh, come Holy Spirit. I hope the Holy Spirit is coming. I'm believing. Is this resonating with you or not? Do I need to change tack? Okay, okay. Just like to check. It's a bit risky when you check because someone might say, no. And at that point, mm. Um, we need to remember and recall that the gospel is good news. And the gospel, the good news of the gospel, is offering a different expression and a different way of life than the rest of the world. The kingdom of God is a kingdom both now and not yet. The kingdom of God is not just you've got your boarding pass so you can wait until you die and go to heaven and congratulations. That might be a lonely existence if that's all Christians are doing. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, we're not here to say, hey, just follow Jesus, welcome into your heart, feel all cosy and comfortable and then just do whatever you want until you get to heaven. That's not the kingdom of God either. The kingdom of God requires a realignment of our lives. It requires a turning toward God. It requires a relationship with Jesus that convicts, that comforts, that encourages, that stirs, that reminds, that empowers, that releases. And the gospel is not about the Christians standing at a distance, pointing at the world, saying... The gospel is the Christians, the people of God going into the world as part of the community and saying, hey, there's another way to express this. There's another way to think about this. There's another way to participate in this. What if, what if there was another way to experience this? What, what if you didn't have to carry that? What if you didn't have to feel so lonely and isolated and overwhelmed? There's a gospel. There's a good news. Do we know and do we live out of that good news if we've been following Jesus for any period of time? Or has the baggage just caught us up and weighed us down? And I, Jesus still has the authority to cast out demons. Jesus still has the authority to heal the sick. But I think the sadness about that is we have lost the confidence in our calling. We have lost the confidence in our calling. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray it. Jesus, I trust you. We know you love Simon, whoever you're talking with. Would you bring your healing? That's not a bad start, is it? We're not looking for religious language, looking for hearts out of relationship with Jesus. 
And like you could do a whole other teaching on that. I know that's a really base level. But live out of the knowledge of who we are in Christ. If we go to people and, they, and we say, can we pray for you or can we talk to you about Jesus? Um, and they say, no, okay. We can still be friends. So there you go. That's, that's some reflections on those few verses. After this, just, just quickly, um, after this, Mark takes an offshoot here and he goes into the story of John the Baptist. Um, John the Baptist is in prison because he's taught against uh, Herod who's taken his brother's wife as his own. Um, Herod kind of likes him. He's troubled by him. Uh, the scripture tells us in the ongoing of Mark chapter 6, he's troubled by him he's upset by him but he's fascinated by him there's something else stirring here and isn't that wouldn't that be wouldn't that be a huge difference in our community if even if even we went in our community as followers of jesus and people said i don't get what you're saying i don't even like what you're saying i even think what you're saying is a lot of rubbish but hey you've got my interest peaked here That'd be a cool witness, wouldn't it? Luke chapter 7 actually introduces um, John a bit more. But in the end, what happens is that um, Herodias's daughter, uh, the daughter of Herod's wife, let me say it like that, did this dance uh, as they do. And King Herod said, ask for anything that you want up to half the kingdom. The young girl goes and says to her mother, what should I ask for? Man, if that was my kids, they'd be asking for a new wardrobe, jewellery. Like they wouldn't have to think twice about it, like a new wardrobe full of shoes. Um, my girls would not have to ask for it. This young, what should I ask for, Mum? John the Baptist's head. Man, that tells you something about that woman's spirit, doesn't it? I want that man's on a head on a platter. And we go, we, we can't comprehend that. I mean, this is just the culture and the context of the time. If you go to Luke chapter 7, um, verses 21 to 23, John is actually in prison. It gives you a bit more of a story. John's actually in prison and he sends his disciples to Jesus and he says to them, ask Jesus this, ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come or should we be expecting someone else? And why is John asking this? Because his ministry is not as successful as he thought it would be. John's in prison. This is not where I thought I would be for following you, Jesus. Or proclaiming the good news or announcing the Lamb of God. This is not what I thought would be happening in my life. And many of us go through that when we start to follow Jesus. I thought follow Jesus would be all roses. I thought follow Jesus would be all cake and coffee. And then we discover, actually, no, this is a battle. This is hard yakka. This is struggle. And many people give up. Because we're not willing to live out of the relationship with Jesus. And Jesus says to John's disciples, go back to John, tell him what you see. The blind see, the lame walk, the kingdom of God is being announced and expressed. So here's my question in all of this for you. And I've already given you a fair bit. You can take away, take one, take the whole lot, whatever you need. Are you living a life for success or are you living a life for significance? And I don't mean significance in terms of your own sense of accomplishment or success uh, or significance in the own, own sense of importance. I mean significance in terms of living out of knowing who you are in Christ. 
Is your life being measured by the success of what you think your life is meant to measure? The accomplishment, the income, the status, the employment, the success of your job, the success of whatever you've done in your life, or the significance knowing who you are in Christ? Because here's the significance of Jesus that in Mark chapter 10, much, you know, a few, a few weeks later, a few months later, Jesus says, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That's a life of significance. And the only way he could do that was because he knew his father. The only way he could do that was because he knew his father. So the decision that we make, whether we live our life out of success or out of significance in relationship with Jesus, if we live our life as success measured by external pressures, accomplishments and comparisons, or living out of the significance of our relationship with Jesus, that decision will largely be based upon what we choose to carry what we choose to pack, what we choose to hold on to and to lay down. That decision for success or significance will depend very much on the one whom we choose to trust or not. Sometimes following Jesus is messy. Actually, often following Jesus is messy. It can feel uncertain because we can't see the whole picture. And it's uncomfortable. John lost his head for it. You have to work out that you're willing to give some stuff up to do that, don't you? And look, the reality is, because we live mostly middle class, very comfortable lives, very safe lives, and I don't say that as a criticism, I'm a part of that, that's the reality of our culture and our context. We probably won't have to lose our heads, but we might lose some friends. Our workplace might be difficult because we choose to declare that we're followers of Jesus. Our family might laugh at us. Our income might suffer. I guess a lot depends on the baggage that we choose to pack with us. Whether we can walk lightly and freely in the knowledge that we're walking in the ways of Jesus. And again, it's not about everyone taking up the same call in the same way. I'm not asking you to do it like me. God's not asking you to do it the same as your mate down the street or someone else that you've seen from 20 years ago. He's asking you, the reality is that we're all called. Our capacity to take that seriously depends largely on what we choose to carry and how much we choose to carry. Are you looking for a life of success measured by the standards of those around us who have no hope? Or are we looking for a life of significance? One that is shaped by the relationship with Father revealed through Jesus Christ. Father, we want to uh, just...
Just ask that your Holy Spirit continues to work in us. Just in this moment, Father, I just pause to, um, if there's things that we may need to repent and realign ourselves to you. What's the baggage that maybe we're carrying that we just can't carry anymore? And if we're carrying carriage, that's our baggage, that's the realignment, that's the repentance. So Father, we, Holy Spirit, come. Father, we just pray that in this moment you might minister in our hearts and spirits. That you would call us into yourself. You invite us into conviction so that we might live fully alive in you. For those of us who have been following you or doing this church thing for a whole Lot of years. Father, may you awaken our spirits to a deeper, more satisfying relationship with you. May you help us to realize the things that we need to lay down, that you're asking us to lay down so that we can more fully live alive in who you are, so that we can know the truth of who we are in you. Father, pray for those of us who um, might have heard this for the first time. Your spirit would just bring wholeness and conviction and healing in a new way, in a fresh way, that something that's been said today would just resonate, whether for the first time or the millionth time, Father. That your ministry would continue beyond this moment, that we would know the call that you've placed upon us. The first call is to know that we are loved by you, Holy Spirit, breathe new life into us. Bring new revelation and new confidence. Not by our own strength, not by our own might, not by our own power, but by the name and the glory and the wonder of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour, the one who has revealed your heart to us. Thank you for the pursuit of your love that comes after us. And just in this moment, Father, as we sing this song, friends, I just want to invite you, as we often do, if you need prayer, maybe it's healing, maybe it's things that you've held on to, maybe it's just to really repent and realign yourself with the heart of the Father. We want to pray with you. I'm available, I can call other people to come and pray with you. If you don't want to go and ask them yourself, I'll find them, I'll help you in that. If there's healing in your body, in your spirit that you need, if there's, I'm not, I'm not standing here as the expert, but as someone who's willing to go with you and travel with you in that. The opportunity is to come to the front and just realign ourselves to repent, to be renewed, to be restored to lay down those things we need to lay down so that we might walk 
and the reckless love, the overwhelming love of God.